Not gonna lie everyone, this is probably my favorite episode that I personally have got the most information out of. It's episode 161, Business Bootcamp Podcast. I'm Mike Annies, and today we're gonna be talking to Omar Solomon, the CEO of College Hunks, Hauling Junk, a franchise with over 100 franchisees doing 70 million in revenue this year, and we're gonna talk about how he scaled the business using the franchising model and what he learned from it. It's a must listen. Now, before we get to today's show, I want to say a big thank you to today's sponsor, which is FreshBooks, an online cloud-supported software that you can use for all your accounting. And we talk a lot today about systematizing your business, making systems for all the different aspects of your company so it can scale fast. It can scale fast and it scales with profitability and it's able to be repeatable in every market in the country and around the world as we'll be talking to Omar today. And one of the big ways to do that is to systematize your finances, your accounting, your expenses, tracking payments, sending invoices, collecting the payments, making sure that's all like marked so you don't get phone calls from people being like, hey, I paid that and now it's now it's you're saying you're, I still owe you money like so to do all of that create a system with your finances go to businessbootcamppodcast.com go to our sponsors and you can look at fresh books or just go to freshbooks.com slash bootcamp and get a free month free 30 days you don't even have to put your credit card in you can just go there try out their software see how much your business will improve and how much time you will save because time is money and as a business owner there's nothing more we're lacking more than time and so definitely check it out freshbooks.com slash bootcamp free 30 days or just put in business bootcamp podcast in the part where it says how did you hear about us now today we're going to get right to the episode an interview i had with omar solomon i have followed omar and nick his business partner for probably at least two or three years and watched their company progress and I've, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I've stalked them, but I've, I've watched their website progress. I've seen how many franchises. I've watched their, uh, their, their, their interviews that they've done for Inc. Magazine. They've got some amazing recognition. They've done things on multiple TV shows as we hear about today. And just, and really, what I, what's drawn to, to me to Omar and Nick is really just how much they are down to earth, like very much down to earth. And I want to say a personal thank you to Omar uh, if he's listening to this now afterwards. Uh, just a big thank you for all the advice he gave me and even the stuff that I don't have on the show today, just the off uh, mic things that he shared with me, tips, advice, and just t- kind of taking me under my wing. I want to say you know, a heartfelt thank you for that. And I think you'll get the notion of it today, but if you want to go onto YouTube and stuff, you can see the videos of Nick and, and Omar and you'll get that sense of just being down to earth, great people, want to help others. And so obviously, like as you listen today and you're thinking about franchising, uh, definitely franchising with college hunks is something that's great they're obviously scaling like when a company is doing 30 40 new uh, franchisees a year you know they're doing something right and when they those franchisees are profitable and growing their businesses so you can definitely check out their website collegehunksfranchise.com and the reason I really had Omar on today is a little bit selfish as I mentioned in the last episode uh, when I mentioned that he was gonna be coming on the show it's a little bit selfish because as you know if you've been listening to landscape business course podcast or even business bootcamp podcast I'm gonna be franchising Augusta lawn care which is the lawn care and landscaping services uh, material delivery and all that that we do uh, my business that I've ran for several years now and so uh, it's it's a little bit of a I guess a selfish motive for having him on the show I, I saw one of his this is amazing actually I should share this just for everyone out there and that is how I, this actually 
this whole interview came about is I was on LinkedIn looking at his articles that Omar had written about his business and just around our industry. And he was writing an article on LinkedIn about making blue collar, what what is seen as blue collar work and blue collar jobs and blue collar industries into white collar professions and really creating these systems and making a professional image out of these these industries that are typically looked at as dirty or unprofessional and there's kind of a stigma of you know just you know bad employees or no uniform smoking guys smoking on the job like like just just stuff that's horrible and you know you hear horror stories about and so that that's what happened is I read his LinkedIn article and I just commented said you know this was a great great piece of work and I wasn't even like fishing for it but I just said you know it'd be great to have you on the podcast because at that time I was really you know go into this process of considering for franchising our business and, and making that decision several weeks ago uh, firmly. And so so I, I, all I did was you know make a comment and within a couple hours he responded and just said, you know, I'd love to be on the podcast. So he, we set up an, he emailed me, said, you know, set up some times and we juggled around a few times. We, we had to reschedule a few times because of his schedule as a CEO, uh, but we finally got it. And so I just want to say a big thank you to Omar, down to earth guy, just willing so much to help me on today's show on and off mic, but I do want to share you, you know, 30 minutes or so that he, he said we can we can have on the show and recorded for you guys talking about how he started College Hunks Hauling Junk, started out of a pickup van or, or cargo van, just hauling around Washington, D.C., and now it's growing into a business doing $70 million in revenue. Without any further delay, let's welcome Omar Solomon on the show. Here we go. So for everyone out there, kind of, can you just kind of give a, a few minutes of kind of how the business started? I know you have the partner and like how that all with Nick and everything, how you started College Hunks, kind of some of the, the tipping points or areas that you kind of jumped, and then we'll kind of dig into the nuts and bolts of it. Yep, so you know, Nick and I actually were high school buddies. Uh, we grew up in Washington, D.C., and we would like to say that we uh, uh, spent more time in de- detention than we did in the library, and actually that's where we met, <laughs> in sitting in the back of uh, detention one day. And uh, at the time, I don't think we realized we were entrepreneurs. You know, we just thought we were – uh, troublemakers that couldn't sit still, but it turns out, you know, a lot of those qualities are, are what a lot of entrepreneurs have. Um, we both went to school in complete opposite sides of the country. I went to school down in, at University of Miami in Florida, and he went to uh, uh, Pomona College in California. But we linked back up uh, the summer before my senior year when we were home in Washington, D.C. for summer break and uh, actually borrowed my mom's cargo van because she had a furniture store that would uh, use this you know, old beat-up cargo van for deliveries of couches and, and stuff like that. And so borrowed the van, you know, came up with a funny, catchy name, College Hunks Hauling Junk, uh, put up some computer flyers around the neighborhood, and then uh, you know, 6 o'clock the evening after putting up the flyers, uh, got a phone call and, and pretty much – had our first customer and and, you know that's what we did that summer pretty you know went around town hauling junk uh van had no air conditioning it was hard work uh, but it was the first time in my life that i found something that i was passionate about uh and it wasn't that i was passionate about hauling junk uh but you know i realized that i was you know an entrepreneur you know i loved business and talking to clients and marketing and, and 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 you know thinking outside the box and I learned more that summer than I did in any class in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, went back to school and, and actually wrote a business plan uh, for College Hunks Hauling Junk as a year-round junk removal service. Uh, submitted it into a business plan contest, and of about 150 entries, it ended up winning first first place and uh, got a big check for $10,000. And 
that gave us a whole lot more confidence in the business and, and the idea. Uh, but, you know, we went, we graduated and we'd always been kind of brought up that, you know, you get good grades to get a good job. And so even though we'd won the business plan and had, had, had done the business the year before, you know, we both got, uh, Nick and I both got corporate jobs in DC, uh, which we hated. And <laughs> six months into it, we decided to, uh, it wasn't the life for us and started the business in Washington and, uh, you know, pretty much invested all the money we had, bought a truck, um, and just kind of per- persevered through sheer grit and determination. You know, we didn't really know how to do anything. We didn't know about payroll or marketing or accounting or anything. So, uh, at the, and at the time we were pretty much doing all the work, you know, we were hauling the junk, we were driving the truck, we were answering the phone. Uh, we always tell the story that, you know, the 800 number was actually routed to our cell phone yeah. and we'd be driving the truck and people would call the 800 number because we were talking to customers, booking jobs, and they, people would call the 800 number sometimes to complain about our driving and we'd be the ones answering the phone in the <laughs> driver's seat on the cell phone. <laughs> so, you know, tell someone, oh, I'm sorry about that. I'll, I'll give that guy a, a stern talking to when he gets back to the office. Uh, and that's, you know, when we realized, hey, you know, we can't really scale a business like this. And we read a book called The E-Myth mm-hmm. Revisited. Mm-hmm. That stands for the Entrepreneurial Myth. And it really became our Bible in, in business. And it's, you know, really the premise is all about systemize your business so that you can work on the business and not in the business and build your company as if you were going to franchise it, regardless of whether you're going to franchise it or not. And that really spoke to us. And, and so we really started to follow that practice and, um, we're able to remove ourselves from kind of like the in the business work and it allowed us to scale um in washington dc from one truck to 10 trucks um pretty quickly and and once we were doing you know over a million dollars in sales we said hey well we got something here that we could franchise and uh hired a franchise consultant and then um began franchising in 2008 and then uh so that's how we got into franchising fast forward to today we now have 100 franchises across the country. Mm. Um, we have a call center in Tampa that fields all of the calls on behalf of our franchise owners. Uh, we have proprietary software that we develop that allows us to track the trucks and book appointments uh, on behalf of, of the franchisees. So they don't need to be worrying about customer service calls. All they have to do is kind of check their schedule and make sure they're hiring and marketing. Um, and they can pretty much run their business from an iPhone, You know, mm-hmm. see what their schedule is, see how many jobs they have. Um, so 100 franchises across the country. We have about 100 employees in Tampa. That includes our call center employees as well. Um, and we did in 2016, we did about 50 million in system wide revenue, and, and we're projecting to do about 70 million in, in system wide revenue uh, uh, this year. And now, obviously, in franchising, you're getting a very small percentage of that is mm-hmm. coming to corporate. But uh, you know, we've really been able to hit a tipping point. Uh, as a brand, uh, really in the past year, year and a half, and and so that's that's where we're at today. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, so I've kind of followed the journey, you know, since Shark Tank, and then you know, different uh, times you've been on reality TV. How has that kind of contributed to the business? Has it been in the inflection points, kind of when you've scaled it up fast, as far as franchisees buying in? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we uh, we really look at ourselves as a PR mm-hmm. and marketing company. Um, more so than a moving and junk hauling company. Yeah. So that's what our expertise is in. That's what we put all of our time and effort in and is really kind of building the brand and, and getting, you know, PR and, and, and 
how to market the business better. So we were actually on the very first episode of Shark Tank, uh, uh, season premiere, episode one. And that was before any, you know we even knew what Shark Tank was. <laughs> and it was an awesome experience. You know, we, we didn't have anything to expect because we never saw any shows. It was the first show. And so, you know, obviously you can imagine how much pressure there was to walk out there and be on set with you know some of those heavy hitters mm-hmm. um and we got an offer made that we actually turned down mm-hmm. uh, but that was a big one that put us on the map i think in terms of like a, a national pr uh and, and really put our brand i think out there and we got a lot of franchise leads from it um and then we you know we've you know been in uh, a few other tv shows uh, blue collar millionaires uh uh, jobs that don't suck on MTV, House Hunters on HGTV. Uh, we we often joke that our trucks have been on more TV shows than the Kardashians. And so <laughs> it's really it's all about that brand placement. You know, anytime we can get our truck on TV or, or get it in the newspaper, that's mm-hmm. um, a win for us. And it's been probably part of our secret sauce of, of developing uh, a brand and, and and getting franchise owners interested or potential franchise owners interested. Yeah, so, t- so taking a step back, kind of, you, you mentioned how you, you did, don't necessarily love hauling junk or like the moving industry. So, why are you in that business? And do you kind of see this as like a stepping stone or like kind of like the financial pillar bef- for your career? And then you'll go on to do other things? Or like, how do you see this kind of playing out? Well, I do love, I love, you know, taking simple businesses like, uh, you know, hauling junk and moving. People would probably call that a blue collar business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love taking these fragmented industries that have been done the same way for a hundred years mm-hmm. and just putting a fresh spin on it. And the, the, the uh, you know, we often say that, you know, the moving and hauling industry is littered with mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, nine out of 10 people, if you call their number, you know, they're not going to answer the phone. Right. Uh, so sometimes just the blocking and tackling of, you know, answering the phone when someone calls, showing up when you're going to say you're going to show up, really simple, basic stuff can put your business way above the competition. And then when you inject, I think, technology and, and some other things, you can really build something that can scale. So uh, am, am I passionate about hauling junk or, or moving? No, not really. But I am passionate about um, you know delivering a really cool product and good product to our customers. Um, uh, our company purpose is to move the world. So mm-hmm. you know, to us, that means you know, one day we want to be able to move stuff all over the world. But really, it, it means you know we want to move people emotionally through a positive experience with with our company, and you know that's that's by going above and beyond and by living our core values, we're going to do that. And I think a lot of people you know look to start new ideas or invent a new app, but very few people ask how can I make people happy? Because if you can make people happy, the business is the easy part. The mm-hmm. profits will be there, the revenue will be there. Um, but a lot of people miss the mark on that. And so we really try to deliver this amazing client experience. And when you read our reviews online, there's people that compete, compare their move to a Disney-like experience. And, you know, moving and Disney should not be <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's kind of the level of service that we provide. And, and there's just a lot of stories that have organically cropped up uh, from around the country of our, of our team members doing something special, whether it's a, a, a car is broken down on the side of the road and they changed the tire. Uh, we had a mover that was stuck in an elevator with an elderly woman in a senior living community and they had to call the fire department and it was going to be like 30 minutes and she couldn't stand. So he mm. actually got on his hands and knees and had her sit on his back for 25, 30 minutes. Mm. And when the elevator doors were pried open, someone took a photo of it and uh, got posted on social media and it went 
uh, globally viral, like everywhere mm-hmm. from Russia to Japan to Africa, people were talking about that picture and you know it's kind of been in a lot of these buzzfeed you know top mm-hmm. 10 most heartwarming things caught on camera lists and, and stuff so you know and we always say you know there's nowhere in the operating manual that says hey when you're stuck in an elevator you know with an elderly woman yeah. you've got to get down on your hands and knees and become a human chair yeah. but when you hire for attitude and you hire purpose-driven individuals uh, those things start to just organically happen within your organization and people want to go above and beyond for the client. And so, you know, for us, that's what we're passionate about. That's what gets us excited and, and motivated and, and gets us up out of the bed in the morning. Cool. So I kind of want to dig deeper into kind of the franchising aspect, kind of how you, that, 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 that decision to go franchising route and, you know, why, why did you go the franchising route? Obviously it's, you know, the capital and it's not as capital intensive and things like that, but like, uh, th- that process, how long did that take from when you started the business to when you franchised it? Uh, yeah, so good question. I think when, if you, you know, if you, in our type of business, if we want to scale, there's two ways to do it. Mm-hmm. One is we go out and we, you know, open a bunch of corporate stores and put corporate managers in, in, in charge of those stores. And that obviously takes uh, a lot of money, um, but it also, you lose a little bit of that, uh, um, that equity piece because you know the manager is not going to care about the business the same right. way an owner is so mm-hmm. for us it was like okay if we want to scale this thing and we don't necessarily have a ton of capital to do it but we want to have people that are going to treat the brand the same way we do then franchising was the logical um, step to do that we did our research you know obviously if I were to go back in time would I hire a franchise consultant to do it no you know really <laughs> Because that, oh, like, that, that was like my next question. That was like my next question. Because I know, I know, I know you. Had, I think you guys had used iFranchise or something like that. But like, yeah. like, for, so I know we're jumping ahead. But like, why would you not do that now? And then like, how would you, how, how would you have done it? Well, that's the thing. If, if I knew what I knew now, I would have known how to do it, right. or I would have tried to, um, you know, find someone uh, that was kind of where we are you know, eight years ago mm-hmm. that we could maybe, um, use as, 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 uh, uh mentors or, 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 or help us out with the process. I mean, it, you know, you're going to pay a consultant, uh, you know, I don't know what they've charged. They're great. They're yeah. good. Um, uh, but you know, you're gonna pay a hundred grand, right. Mm-hmm. When it's all said and done to do it. And, and, um, I would have maybe tried to find some people in franchising that, that, you know, would, would do it for less or just would do it, you know, because they want to help, you know, some young, young guys out. But, uh, you know, at the time we didn't know anything about franchising and that was really the only, the only option. So, you know, we hired a franchise consultant. We, we, we went through the whole kind of A to Z checklist of what, what needed to be done. You know, the thing about franchising that, that a lot of times people don't tell you is that it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than you think it's going to cost, um, by the time it's all said and done. And then, you know, franchising doesn't start to get real lucrative from a profit standpoint until, you really get to a, 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 some sort of you know critical mass, and, right. and for every business is different. Uh, but for us, really, it was kind of like around a sixty to seventy franchise mark. You know, mm-hmm. we uh, until then, you know, we were using a lot of the cash from our corporate stores to fund the growth of our franchising. We weren't really able to pull a ton of cash out of the franchising mm-hmm. uh, uh, business. But anyway, so you know, we we went that route. We we. You know, following kind of the e-myth principles of systemize every part of your business, you know, create manuals for positions that might not even exist today, 
um, you know, you know, build out your org chart of what your company is going to look like in the future. Um, create a, a vision and a painted picture for you know where you picture your business five years from today, and then mm-hmm. kind of reverse engineer it. Um, we did all of that, and and then uh, so I think it was about a year process, uh, and then we ended up. The, the nice thing was that I knew that I had someone in the wings that was like a right. definite yes as right. soon as that process was done, which obviously takes the stress off because yeah. I knew as soon as we were legally allowed to sell franchises. I had a guy that wanted to buy a franchise. So, um, you know, we sold our first franchise immediately after the process was done. And then it was pretty linear growth from there, you know, maybe adding five or six franchises a year. Uh, we got hit by the recession, which was a major uh, uh, low point for our business, you know, because we're very tied into the housing market. Right. Um, so that almost put uh, the brakes on everything for two or three years. Um, and then really in the past two years is when we went from selling you know seven or eight franchises a year you know two years two years ago we sold 25 last year we sold 25 and and this year we're projecting to sell 25 to 30 so you know we went from selling a couple to you know almost 70 in the past two years awesome so for anyone out there that is you know interested in getting or getting involved with College Hunks, getting a franchise, go to just go to collegehunksfranchise.com. You can get lots of information, uh, get their franchise information report, all of that. Um, but I did want to ask a few more questions, Omar. Like, so personally, like I have a landscaping and lawn care business. We kind of have a unique spin on it with having a retail environment uh, where people can come to with an office and things like that. Um, and so. We definitely want to scale up. So, like, we've always thought, okay, well, I'll just build one uh, new office or, like, new shop location, new territory every year and just work my way down the I-5 corridor because, like, we kind of live up top north of of Washington State and Seattle's, like, two hours south of us. So I was like, okay, well, if if I can do, like, four or five, you know, one each year and work my way down, you know, the I-5 corridor, that's kind of, like, what I had always been thinking. And, and then so then recently, like I've been, you know, reading a lot. Obviously, Emeth was the whole reason I started this business several years ago. Um, and so it's really scaled up. And then like last year, I created a course around it. So we got like a lot, a lot of the systems down. Uh, we have a whole bunch of students that are in the, like, the online course, which essentially just teaches the business ethos, kind of like the systems, how to, uh, you know, standardize pricing in our industry, which is kind of a rarity, things like that, uh, and creating a solid you know, margins. And so... I feel like I have the systems part down, but like, so now I'm kind of like really considering and really have decided to go the franchising model. And, and, and I feel like it's, I'm sure like, what were your kind of like feelings like going into the franchise model? Were you afraid that like you weren't going to sell past your friend or did you know this was just going to like take off? Like, like for me, I have also a podcast for landscape business course. And so we have hundreds of people that listen to that thousands now, but like, um, that one, like I have, we already have in, people that are wanting to do it around the country. Like we have three or four people that are like, hey, we do it in, you know, New Mexico. And there was one in Ohio. But I was like, I really want to kind of keep it local for now because I really want those first few to really succeed and make sure that they got nailed down before we scale this out. Like what's your thoughts on that? And what would you like advise someone in my position uh, on that, those things? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because, in, you know, uh, that density and that market saturation is such a key to uh, uh, growing a successful business. You know, I think when we first started out, we sold way too much territory uh, where, you know, we'd have franchisees buying a million population um, and then just kind of picking the low-hanging fruit versus really developing that market. Mm -hmm. Uh, In our business, and when I say our, I mean any sort of service business, right? Landscaping, moving, plumbing, pest control. It's all about 
going deeper versus wider, right? right? There's more business in one zip code, uh, or you can do more business in one zip code than, you know, some folks do in, in the entire market. Right. Uh, and, and it's the deeper you can go and the more uh, the more focused you can be, the h- higher profit margin you're going to have too, right? You're doing all your jobs in the same place. It's, it's dense. Uh, you're, you're, you know, take seven or ten, seven to ten impressions before someone buys from you. So why waste those all over? Why do one impression all across, you know, a market when you could get them all in one zip code, right? Right, right. Um, so, you know, but at the same time, it's like you're in the business of selling franchises and you don't want to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, I would never say turn down a, 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 a franchise yeah. sale. I would definitely look at making sure you're not selling too much territory and I would make sure that you have something within your franchise agreement that enforces them to really saturate and go deep within their market, you know, so whether it's, you know, a zip code based marketing plan or uh, some sort of truck rollout where they've got to roll out X number of trucks, you know, over X amount of time. um, There's a lot of things that you can do to ensure that that saturation is happening. Um, But you can still do that and sell franchises, you know, all across the country, mm-hmm. as long as you have that, you know, that strong franchise agreement that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that enforces that, uh, um, you know, with the franchise owner. Right. Like, like I, I guess my, my, my biggest fear, honestly, like when I talk about franchising and like getting people to pay me a royalty, like, did you ever have at beginning out, like, did you, cause right now you have like the proprietary software. I'm, I'm supposing like the, the billing goes through that and then you all already are kind of siphoning off the royalty. Like, like for me, I'm like, okay, do I, do I go to there every month and you know ask for a check or like, like how does that work as far as because like we don't have our own software, we we use industry software right now for our business and then we just kind of customize it on the back end. But like, where like, so do, I mean that's how we did it too. Uh-huh. So you don't need you don't need all the bells and whistles. I mean, right. I think you know you can have them submit a royalty report. You, you create like an ACH that where you can you know, right. go into their bank account and just take what they owe, yeah. um, which is what we did. And, and we didn't have all the, you know, fancy bells and whistles. Um, and, and you don't, you know, that's, you know, part of, you know, the pros and cons of getting in right. as a franchise owner and a new franchise system. The pros are, you know, you're at the ground floor. You can really help shape, you know, where the company's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have a close relationship with the owner. But the cons are, you know, you're not going to have all the systems in place and you're going to be part of that um guinea pig process of developing the systems you know mm-hmm. our, our very first franchise training you know nick and i stood in front of the quote-unquote class and said all right uh you know what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to buy a truck and then hopefully you can get enough business and you get a second truck all right yeah go right. get them yeah <laughs> and now and now you know the franchise training is seven days and there's you know 80 different uh, uh sessions with you know 10 different team members doing it and you know so it's it, it, there's a huge evolution in any business and not franchising also so i don't think you need to worry about oh i've got to have the best software the best this you know you're gonna uh, want to start out by having the, the whatever is going to make financial sense and allow you to, to 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 drive profits for both you and the franchise owner i mean at the end of the day mm-hmm. the franchisee's got to be profitable right um and so you need to model you know you know, model it out and, and look at the pro forma and look at what yeah. you're currently doing in your corporate location. You know, what does this look like with 7% royalties coming out? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what does this look like with 4% royalties coming out and how, how quickly can a franchisee make their investment back? Because if the franchises aren't profitable, the business really isn't going to go anywhere. Right. Right. Like, like, cause that gets another thing, right? Like providing the value to the franchisee beyond just the first couple of years when they're starting out. Cause I feel like 
especially in the course, like they are always pulling on me for like the first year or two. But like after that, once they've kind of got the systems down, I, like I know for you guys, now you have the call center and you really develop the ongoing sort of support for your franchise network. And so like, that's something that, you know, I'd also want to do just because once they hit three, four years, they kind of know, they, or at least they think they know everything. You know, then then like, they kind of have like, why do I need you sort of thing, right? Beyond just the branding yeah. aspect. Yeah, that's another great, great question. Um, and it's true. You know, that's, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of a, 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 a tug of war where, you know, you're going to have franchisees that are, you know, in our case, we've got franchisees that are doing two or three million dollars in revenue mm-hmm. and they're paying us, uh, you know, $200,000 in royalties, yeah. 200000 plus in royalties. And, you know, they probably look at that check and they say, wow, I mean, am I getting $200,000 in value? And I always make the argument that they absolutely are because, you know, they are making their money off of our brand. Right. Um, now, we, have, we share a common interest in that. You know, we own, we, we, you know, they're the franchisee of the brand. They care about the brand as much as we do. But at the end of the day, you know, we built the brand. We, we licensed that brand to them. You know, a big reason that they get the business they get is, you know, because of the brand, right? right. McDonald's, if it was, you know, called, you know, John's or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it wouldn't have the same traffic. So that franchisee that's stroking a, 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 a million dollar royalty check to McDonald's corporate and says, oh, I'm not really getting the value. Well, go ahead and change your name and, and get rid of all of our proprietary systems and you're going to have a, you know, a business that's doing half what right. it's doing and, and certainly not be able to scale the way it has. So mm-hmm. um, I would always push back on any franchisee that says, you know, you guys aren't providing value. Now you've got to continue to up the ante and raise the bar with the value you provide all of your franchisees, right? Your top performers mm-hmm. and your middle performers and, and also your bottom performers. And so there's things that you can do um, that, are different and better for your top performers, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they get more face time from corporate. Maybe you're investing X amount of ad fund into their uh, uh, local market as, as marketing. You know, maybe you create peer-to-peer groups with uh, your top performing franchisees and mm-hmm. you have a corporate facilitator yeah. and they meet every quarter. So there's things that you can always do to continue to, to, to give them more value. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true. You're going to run into, you know, different franchisees that might say, well, you know, you're not doing this for me, or what have you done for me lately? And, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a push and, push and shove kind of thing with franchising. Yeah. So like, um, the, the another question I has like about the you know marketing the franchise opportunity, and like I was talking to one of my friends, and he's like, well, the only reason College Hunks you know even grew is because they were on you know Shark Tank. I was like, well, I th- I'm pretty sure like you already had the business going before you got there, and I'm right. I, in my opinion, it's the first five or ten at the hardest. Because once you have the yep. five or ten, you get the systems down. You know what to expect. You 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 offer more really for the ones that are after that. Like, how did you yep. get those first five or ten? I know the first one was a given, but like after that, um, you know the, the we had about I think we had thirteen franchises when we were on Shark Tank, so we were we were kind of well on our way in yeah. franchising um, when we made that appearance. And it, you know, there's a lot of different ways. You've got franchise brokers. You've got online marketing, right? You've got uh, franchise portals. You you know, there's other PR you can get. Not everything has to be this national television show, but yeah. you can get an article in uh, uh, a Seattle newspaper yeah. or in you know, obviously the Wall Street Journal is a huge one. But you you get these small PR pieces, and those can turn into leads. So there's mm-hmm. no one magic bullet for franchise sales. It's a little bit of everything. You know, you've got obviously a huge opportunity because you have a captive audience of people that look to you um, as someone that they can get best practices for, and right. you're almost you are, you know, 
branding yourself as uh, the expert in, in, in this industry, well, now, guess what? I'm Not only am I, you know, got this podcast where you can learn about pricing and sales and branding, but I also sell franchises. And if you're a mom, mom and pop landscaping uh, business that wants to convert to, to my brand, or if you're just, you know, a college guy that just graduated and, you know, doesn't know what he wants to, he or she wants to do. Well, mm-hmm. now, you know, you've, give them an avenue uh, uh, to do that. So it's a little bit of everything, right? You, you've got uh, PR, you've got uh, online, you've got referrals, and, and the stuff that you're doing, like kind of like the outside-of-the-box things are, are huge X factors when it comes to, to, to building a franchise system. Very cool, very cool. So um, for anyone out there that is you know, possibly thinking about franchising, what would you say to them and how, like, why would they want to start a college hunks, hauling junk? Like, personally, like, for me, like, because I'm a younger guy, I went, I, I started college when I was 13, got my MBA, all of that stuff, and then uh, started the business uh, and, you know, all that. So, like, I'm still 21, though, and so I, a lot of our audience is younger demographic college students. Like, my book was for millennials, and so... Uh, a lot of our, our audience is a younger demographic. Like, what would you say to someone coming out of college, like you said, doesn't know what they want to do, and why would they want to join a college hunks hauling junk if they have an itch for business but they don't know exactly what mm-hmm. they want to do? Sure. Well, you know, you you, you look at uh, the cost of, of university and obtaining an MBA today, right? And, and I think to probably get an MBA um, too much in money. Today's world is what a hundred grand. It's right? crazy. So I would yeah. make the argument that you will learn more. And you will get a real, true mm-hmm. MBA, yeah. the real way. Yeah. And you know, with the same investment that you're going to make to go pay some teacher to teach you stuff, you come in buy a college hunks franchise. Not only are you get an MBA and a PhD or whatever <laughs> you want to call it in business, yeah. uh, you're going to also build something that has equity, something that you can either build and sell, something you can pass down to your heirs, something that you can uh, uh, cash flow. And if you, you know, if your goal is, hey, five years from now, I want to have a business that's you know, netting out 100, 150 grand a year, and I'm sitting on a beach, you know, on my laptop. You know, all of those things are possible. Um, it's it's just a, you looking for what are you looking to achieve? Um, we have built a system that works. It's proven. We have franchisees that have you know bought and built their dream homes, bought and and their dream cars, um, living the lifestyle that they might want to lead. You know, as long as they follow the system work hard and, and hustle. I mean, it's not something that's just, Hey, here's your franchise. You're now going to be a billionaire. It takes hard, hard work. And, uh, you know, no overnight success happens overnight. And so mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, if, if someone wants to put in hard work and, and get a, a return on that hard work, then, you know, buying a franchise and especially a college hunks franchise is, is, is the way to go. So that I'm going to cut it off there. Uh, Omar went on for another 20 minutes with me just really kind of sharing some things about franchising and really helping me personally. And so big thank you to him for that. Uh, so make sure if you got something out of this, make sure you show him some love on social media. Say hi to him. Reach out. CollegeHunksFranchise.com has lots of information. You'll see, you know, where they've been all over, you know, ABC, Shark Tank, all sorts of, you know, shows they've been on. And it's encouraging to see young entrepreneurs that are, you know, a step ahead of me and I've kind of been following in their footsteps. And I really hope that's a relationship we can continue to have. So Omar, thank you so much. Everyone out there, make sure you tune in to later this week. we got another really good episode. We're going to be talking about motivation and what the difference is between motivation and work ethic. Until then, this is Mike Andy. You're listening to episode 161, 161 of the Business Bootcamp Podcast. Again, go to the businessbootcamppodcast.com if you have questions on how to start, 
grow, or save your business.